Hello and welcome back to another episode of Rambling Rivals here at Tampa Bay Cop Talk. Today I have with me Christopher Ellis of Villa Together, a podcast that aims to bring, as the name suggests, Villa Together. He's joining me from all the way across the pond to talk about his club Villa so we can get a little bit of insight where the club's at, what they're looking forward to this season, uh, as obviously we will face them twice, including this upcoming weekend. Um, So, Mr. Ellis, welcome. Thank you for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Nice to get involved. Yeah. So real quick, uh, before we look ahead and kind of where you're at now, last season, you come up, you've been gone since, what was it, uh, 2016 in the championship after going from 1987 to 2016 in the top flight. Um, Came up, survived by a point. Yeah. Is that success? How did you feel about it? The thing that most Villa fans would have said at the start of the season was 17th was success because since we'd been out of the Premier League, it evolved so much because the money had got so so big. It, it was so competitive down at the bottom. And I think most Villa fans, even though we spent, I think it was $147 million in the summer, it was a case of it was a big rebuild job um, and 17th was success. And it was a tough one because we, we showed some promising signs. Obviously, Jack Grealish had a, a pretty decent season. Obviously, he kind of showed what it was all about. Other players were very up and down. Um, we had a lot of injury issues and it got to the point, I think, um, I think we had six games left maybe. And Manchester United beat us 3-0. There was that dodgy penalty decision. This was obviously post-lockdown. And I think even the most um, optimistic Villa fans at that point felt, do you know what, we're going to go down. And obviously, since then, we um, going into this season as well, we, we haven't lost a, a game in the Premier League. You know, we, 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 done, we did well towards the end of last season. It got to the point we, we needed... Um, we needed at least seven points from our last four games and we won two and drew two. So got the eight points. Um, so it was success in the end. It was, it was tough. It was a big rebuild job because there was a lot of players out of contract at the end of the season before. So going from championship to Premier League. And I think even though there's an argument that maybe we shouldn't have got rid of that many players, I think it was... I think a lot more fa- a lot more people, a lot more of the fans probably agreed that a lot of those players weren't good enough for the Premier League. So, in theory, that, that we felt that the club made the right decision to release those players and then sign new players. Um, and it was a tough one because we had to, rather than go out and buy, like we, like we have done this year, go out and buy a couple of players for £20 million each that are, are top quality, we had to shop around for, for players who were squad fillers, I suppose, and, and probably kind of a bit of a, you know, negated on the quality a bit. I think average of, spent 147 million. So I think average player was about nine or 10 million. And these days that's not a lot of money, is it? So quality wise, it's, it's not massive. Um, I think we had our injury issues as well, obviously. Um, John McGinn, big player for us was injured for three or four months. Um, Wesley, who was our, our big sign and he was our main striker, um, got injured on New Year's Day, same as Tom Heaton, top goalkeeper, um, got injured New Year's Day. 
So it was a tough one for us. But yeah, at the end of the day, um, staying up, it was it was a great escape. Um, I think it would have been a lot, I'd say a lot better, but a lot more received possibly if we had the fans allowed in the stadium at the time with the get caught up in the emotion, etc. Um, but it was a great escape. And at the end of the day, we, we did what we needed to. And as far as most Villa fans are concerned, 17th was success. And we look like we're building on that this season. Yeah, so a couple of things you touched on there. I just want to ask you about. You did spend that money in the transfer window and you brought in with like Luis, Luis, the midfielder, um, a couple of players. Out of that crop, who do you feel was the money best spent? Um, I mean, we, we spent a lot of money on Tyro Mings. And I think he, he was one of those signings that, I think that's probably why we spent so much money, was that we had to sign him because he was so good for us in the championship. And he, he's become a big player for us. Obviously, defensively, um, we're always going to be, we're going to face a lot more shots and, and be up against it than than a lot of other teams in the league, um, especially last season. So he was a big part of us staying up last season. He had his moments, but but everyone does. So Tyro Mings certainly would have been one. Um, trying to think who else. A lot of other players, I think there's a lot of players who struggled. I think there, there was a lot of, obviously, Wesley, a tough one to, to kind of, score really because he got injured on New Year's Day. Um, you probably would say, I'd probably say Douglas Louise because post lockdown, he was our best player. He, he was better than Jack Grealish and he was very, very important to a lot of the good stuff we did. So I think Tyro Mings and um, Douglas Louise were certainly uh, the two for me. Yeah, I just, we're going to touch on Tyrone Mings a little later because I do want to ask. I, know, I was watching the Fulham match and I did notice he a little a, a number change on the back of the kit, which might seem like a small thing, but is significant going forward. But before we get there, you've talked about it a couple times and you touched on him. He's by far probably your most well-known player across the Premier League. Jack Grealish, is he as good as advertised? No, he's, he's better than that. Okay. Um, um, I was gonna. I also before you answer, I just want to ask what is up with Gareth Southgate and his issues with Jack Grealish. He doesn't want to give him any any props for when he plays very well for England, and he hardly ever wants to select them. So I I need to know is he as good as he's advertising? You're saying he's better. Yeah. So for 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 us Villa fans, um, when Jack Grealish first um, came onto the scene, which I think was about 2014, he was a bit part player, and then under Tim Sherwood came more into the team. You could see straight away that he had, he had, he's just, he had something there. Um, good on the ball. Um, he was one of those players that is quicker with the ball than without the ball. Um, very intelligent player. Like made the almost, almost seemingly made the right decisions in terms of his movement and laying off the ball. Um, obviously, gets kicked quite a lot. Yeah, but. He grew up in Ireland, so he um, he played a lot of Gaelic football. And his dad says that's why he he deals so well with getting kicked about because of playing Gaelic football. Obviously, he dealt with the physical side of things that way. So, so that that was quite good for him. But honestly, um, you know, seeing him over the years, he has got he obviously he's got better. But I think a, a lot of Villa play, uh, fans would agree with me. He's saying. He, it's almost like he's never really changed. He's always had it and everything he's got has always been there. 
obviously physically he's got he's got bigger and stronger as he would do going older because obviously he broke through at 17 18 um in terms of the southgate thing we we spoke about this on on one of our pods um a few weeks ago and i think that there's a couple of a couple of things um that, that kind of it comes down to the one is that they're I think harshly, there's a bit of a, um, he's got a bit of a reputation of being kind a bit of a party boy. Um, you know, he's, he's, you know, he's 25 now, but over the last few years, cause he, the way he dresses, the way he looks, and he's, he's been on a few holidays with the lads and stuff like that. Um, he kind of, there's that conception is a bit of a party boy. Um, there's a, I think he was, uh, so he's, to about four or five years ago, um, he was 21 at the time. There's a picture of him. I don't know if you've seen it, where he's, I think he's in IB3, he's lay on the floor, completely smashed, um, <laughs> you know, from from a night out with the lads. Um, you know, every, I think every 21-year-old will have done that anyway. Yeah. So, again, that was another thing. Um, and I don't know if you read about it. In um, So, during lockdown, um, he went out in his car and he had, he had a bit of a crash. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Um, nothing major, and I don't know if he was. There was there was rumours that he was drinking. I don't think he, he was drinking. I think he just gone out and was a bit. He shouldn't have gone out really. So off the pitch, he's made a few questionable questionable decisions. Um, there's also um, there's the the kind of idea that the Gareth Southgate almost doesn't really know what to do with him. So. The last season, Jack Grealish primarily played as a left winger. And I think this was more down to um, to necessity rather than, um, you know, us wanting to play in there. Um, our wingers were underperforming. So we moved Jack from the middle to out wide. Um, I think he would probably say himself he is more of a number eight or a number 10 as opposed to a winger. And I think... So when Gareth Southgate looks at his team, he's looking at Jack Grealish in competition with likes of Marcus Rashford, Raheem Sterling, um, Jaden Sancho, as opposed to where his competition should be the likes of Ross Barkley, Phil Foden, Harry Winks, um, people like that, whereas you'd have a better chance of getting into the team that way than as a winger. And it's, it's not that... Okay, probably you probably would say Raheem Sterling is probably better than Jack Grealish, but in terms of I think they are different players. And the way that Gareth Southgate wants to play is he wants to play with a lot of pace. And so that's where Raheem Sterling fits that that criteria where Jack doesn't. So I think those are the reasons why, but um a lot of I think a lot of fans um of would have agreed last season that Jack played well enough to certainly get in the England squad and he did eventually, but yeah, it does seem a bit odd that he's played so well and he's only been called once. Yeah, and so just the, the off-pitch stuff questions I would like to ask. Has he punched Greek police and has he invited Icelandic models into the hotel? <laughs> because if not, I think he's fairly even with the rest of the lads. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's that's the thing. Um, you know, in terms of in terms of off-field stuff. Okay, he's done what most 21-year-olds will have done. He's made a couple of questionable decisions. But as you say, you can't get much worse than breaking a curfew set by your national team manager and punching the Greek police. You know, and it, it seems like Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood won't be in the most recent England squad, the one I think comes out Thursday. 
Um, but that that Harry Maguire will. But Harry, Harry, like you say, Harry Maguire has punched Greek police, so it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. A lot of a lot of Villa fans feel that there's a bit of a personal agenda between Southgate and Grealish, but who knows? All right. So we touched on last season a bit. I want to look a whole, look forward a little bit because you've started the season fairly well, two of two. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sheffield United, granted, down to ten men, and then you you properly slapped Fulham all over the pitch. Um, yeah. Same scoreline as Arsenal. So maybe, what do you take out of those first two games? What are you looking forward to this season? What defines success in your eyes? So I mean. Uh, in terms of um, the first two games, obviously two two wins from two is, is, is what we needed to do because obviously our next few games, we've got yourselves, we've got Leicester and Leeds coming up. So three tough games. And I think a lot of Villa fans probably would have taken three points or four points at this stage to have got six points is amazing. Um, Performance-wise, we probably deserve it, I think. Sheffield United game, obviously they were down to 10 men. So you kind of, when you're against 10 men, you expect to get the points, but it's never that easy. I think especially against Sheffield United, they're so good defensively. They were almost even harder to break down because they were down to 10 men. Um, and then the lead, the uh, Fulham game, obviously we, we, would, we were decent going forward at times, got three very good goals, could have been more. Um and I think going off that game in particular, we looked ve- we looked very fluid in attack. So Ollie Watkins has come in. He seems to be linking up very well with Jack Grealish. Um, John McGinn seemed to be getting towards his best off the back of his game against Fulham. Zidane um, pirouetting, and- John McGinn, by the way. Zidane pirouetting through the yes. midfield. Just wanted to point that out real quick because it was yeah big- that was that was nice. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was very good. Yeah, that's that's what he's capable of, and I think he he came certainly post lockdown. He he struggled, and I think you know he'd broken his ankle beforehand, and it was hard to get back to fitness. But um, but yeah, he's, he's looking good. Um, we've signed Bertrand Traore from uh, Leon, and he's looked good in the cup game. When he he started a cup game, scored a really good volley, um, which you may or may not have seen. And then he, he looked good when he came against Fulham. And then today we've signed Ross Barkley on loan from Chelsea. So it's looking good in terms of building a squad. Um, I suppose success this season would just be building on from last season. Um, again, uh, again, I think 17 would be success. Um, but I don't think we want to leave it as late as we did last year. So not, not be struggling you know, with, with five or six games to go, maybe try and secure our status in the league with 10 games to go or something, or even possibly just be battling for a, a mid-table finish would be nice, I think. Um, really, realistically, I think for me, um, finishing anywhere between 10th and 15th would be nice. Um, and I think a lot of Villa fans would probably agree with that. So I think that's what, what we'd kind of hope to go for as a, as a minimum, really. Okay, so you started talking about some of the signings you've made. Ollie Watkins, who looked fairly decent in the Fulham game, um, uh, should have scored a goal um, and didn't. It just wasn't happening for him. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, one of the one of the more key signings you've made, though, is Emmy Martinez and Net. You mentioned Tom Heaton was hurt. I love Pepe Reina, but he's a bit of a nutter, and he's not as reliable as he used to be. Um, 
is yeah, was yeah. was goalkeeping and defending you said you were under the cosh a lot last year and you're expected yeah. to be this year was that one of your weak points and do you feel getting a goalkeeper who's gone and won the FA Cup and really for Arsenal carried carried them in the back half of the season and, and allowed them to build the platform for which they're building on this season so how do you feel about making that signing in in your back line now that signing as you've said that, that is arguably our best signing um, statistically last season I think as a shot stopper he was um, the best in the league from from the, the nine games that he played from post-lockdown in terms of um, his, his save percentage um, he was either top or second behind Hugo Lloris so he fared pretty well uh, and in comparison to our goalkeepers in particular Tom Heaton he, he fared quite a bit better um, I think uh, the, the issue was obviously Pepe Reina, I agree. I love Pepe Reina, but yeah, he's he's a bit of a, a madman, a bit of a nut job. <laughs> um, Pepe Reina gave us that experience we needed. Not only that, it was just the ability to be able to to do everything you needed to as a goalkeeper. Not necessarily doing stuff brilliantly, but being able to do everything. So he would come out and be decisive, whether it be claiming across or punching across clear. Um, his distribution was good as well. Um, and it seemed like he was fairly commanding. So there's a lot of communication between him and the defenders. Whereas our other goalkeepers seem to struggle with the communication and distribution at times. And then looking at Emmy Martinez so far, he seems to be almost brilliant at all of them. There's the communication there. He seems confident. Come, you know, he's a bit, he's a big, big guy. Um, so he comes out for the crosses and it looks easy. Distribution's very good. And I think from a fan looking at a goalkeeper, um, with some of our keepers last season, I didn't feel confident when the ball went towards them. So if that's me feeling like that, I always thought, I wonder how the defenders feel. So I think that's important to the confidence comes from the back into the defenders. So hopefully that will that will help and, and help um, Tyrone Mings and Esri Konza as a you know as a, as a central defensive pairing and um, you know make us stronger. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, as a Liverpool supporter, I can tell you all about having questionable goalkeepers in the net and how it makes you feel as a fan, and definitely how it affects the defense. We got obviously Allison and Emmy Martinez are probably a world apart right now. Um, I think there's potential for Emmy Martinez, but once we got a goalkeeper in there who had a bit of sense to him and could organize it, it changed everything drastically. Um, and so you talked about him a little bit. I brought him up earlier. He's made the switch number 40 to number five. He's progressing obviously. And then you mentioned the other center back. I can't remember his name. Ezri. Is that it? Konza. Ezri Konza. So the center back pairing with your goalkeeper, how confident are you in Tyrone Mings making that next step? And we brought him up, maybe even trying to push someone like Harry Maguire out of the England squad eventually. Um, I think there's definitely a potential there. He's almost um, a very well-rounded defender. Uh, people likened him to Van Dijk in the championship. Um, I think that's where the that, that's the only comparison that in the championship he, he seemed to be like Van Dijk. But he, he's quick. He's good on the ball. Um, he's big, strong, good in the air. So he's almost got everything. Um, there's a bit of naivety there still at times. He mistakes creep in, but 
certainly since the back end of last season, um, he seemed to try. He seemed to cut out those mistakes, try a bit less, kept it simple. And there were times when um, it seems like no one could get past him because he's he's that bit quicker than most defenders. Um, obviously, he's very big. So, you know, you stick a big toe out, um, wins a lot in the air. And I think against, against Fulham, um, those two showed how good they can be because Mitrovic is a good striker. And I know he's up against two of them, but he didn't really, really trouble them that much. They kind of, you know, if you like, they, they had him in the, their back pockets. Um, and I think they they can be good. It's it's going to be, I think, a big thing as well for, for defenders is having a, having a partner who they can trust. And also, like you say, important with like, with Alisson coming in, having a goalkeeper they can trust. So I think those two with uh, Amy Martinez moving forward, um, it should just, just bring the confidence all round. And I think, I think Mings could hopefully get a lot better. And as you say, that would be the, his aim, especially with the European championships coming um, this summer or next summer um, to push out, maybe Harry Maguire or someone else um, in defense. Definitely at least John Stones, because let's be honest, John Stones is a bit shit, and I don't understand why he's ever allowed near any back line, let alone Man City's and England's. Um, But yeah, so I guess now let's move forward. You've brought him up. You talked about him. I woke up this morning. I saw the signing. I said, I'm going to mention that to Mr. Ellis so he knows that I'm paying attention to his team. Uh, Ross Barkley, where does he exactly slot into this team, and how do you see it going for Ross Barkley? So it came to, uh, I think, the last week or so um, with, with, with a sign. I think Bertrand Traore came in as an extra winger. We needed a winger. And there was a lot of talk that we need, we would sign one, maybe two players. And I think we were looking at that to be a centre midfielder, like a number eight or a winger. So Ross Barker comes in and ticks the box for that number eight um, because... With the ideal midfield three would be Jack Grealish, John McGinn, and Douglas Louise. But as I said, with Jack Grealish, he's been pushed more out to the as a winger because our wingers aren't that great. They've improved now with Traore coming in. Um, so I think Ross Barkley will provide us that bit extra creativity in the middle and just allow Jack to have that bit more freedom on the left. Um, I expect to see Ross Barkley link up quite nicely with Jack. So if you look at the midfielders as a, as a three, you'd have Douglas Louise sitting deeper. In front of him to the right, centrally, would be John McGinn. In front of him to the left would be Conor Harrahan. Um, Conor Harrahan's a, a decent player, um, good at set pieces, obviously did well against Fulham, but his overall game... Um, leaves a lot to be desired. So I think Ross Barkley would certainly be an upgrade there. So whereas he would be the the left-sided central midfielder, I see him linking up nicely with Jack Grealish. And I think he'd just give us that extra attacking impetus coming from the middle towards Ollie Watkins, hopefully, just bridging that gap. Because I think at times um, we've, we've sometimes tried to push John McGinn a lot higher. So it just helps. I think you'd have McGinn... And Barkley, maybe one of them goes towards Watkins, the other one does and stuff like that. So I think he'll fit in nicely as a number eight in our midfield. All right. So 
before we look ahead, because I do want to ask you about the project that is Aston Villa as the club. But before we yeah. go ahead, as of right now, what is your preferred starting eleven? Um, I would have uh, Martinez in goal. Um, then I'll go back for uh, Matty Cash right back. Esri Conza, Tyro Mings, and Matt Target left back. Douglas Louise in front of the back four. Uh, McGinn and Barkley in front. Grealish on the left. Um, Trezeguet on the right. And Ollie Watkins through the middle. Um, Bertrand, Traore, very close. Um, I, I've just got a bit of a soft spot for Trezeguet. I think he, he works hard and does a lot for the team. Um, and he showed last season he's, he's, a, he's a bit of a goal threat as well in the box. He scored against Arsenal and Crystal Palace, which were the two wins towards the end of the season that kept us up effectively. So um, I'd keep him in, but obviously being able to get Bertrand Trower off the bench would be nice. All right, all right. So Villa, the pro- and by the way, Trezeguet had the Divock Origi vibes going on last year, scoring a lot of important goals. I was wondering if you were going to bring him up, <laughs> and if you weren't, I was going to scold yeah. you a bit because he did score – like, as you said, very important goals. But Villa the project, because as I told you before we came on, when I lived in England, as our listeners know, 2000 to 2004, Villa were a very big club up the top of the table. Uh, I believe at that time O'Leary was the manager, if I'm remembering correctly. It's it mixed in there. Um, yeah. But it went wrong. And it, it went wrong and you went down. And it took a couple of years to come back up. And now you're back up. So looking ahead, Villa the project, the larger project, obviously massive club. When I live there, they're up the top of the table. I imagine that's where you want to return. So the question here is, how far along are you in the project? And what's the next step this season in order to keep the project moving forward? Um, i try to think how far, I suppose, into the project, really. We're only one or two years. Um. I think the project started with our new owners um, that came in in 2018. Um, back in, I think, October 2018, came in two billionaire owners, um, Sawiris and Edens. Um, and they, they've come in, and I can't really fault any decisions that they've made. They brought in um, chief executive in Christian Persler, who used to work at Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, he seems to be doing a fairly decent job in terms of uh, projects going forward. Obviously, going from last season to this season, there seems to be some improvement and decision. A lot of well thought out decisions. Um, we bought in Johan Lang from Copenhagen, who's our sporting director, and he seems to have a very measured approach in the transfer market. Uh, we put in Rob McKenzie, who was um, chief scout at um, Leicester. And I think he was at Spurs as well. So he's been involved in the, the signings of Mares, Kante. Um, I think he brought in Son and Alderweireld at Spurs. So he's obviously, he was a, a talent spotter slash head scout. So he's come in to help us. I think the project for us is it looks like that we're putting a lot into the academy as well. So we're signing a lot of good, young, upcoming players, 15, 16-year-olds to improve our academy. So that in the future, I say the future, you're probably looking at five or six years, 
that we have players that we can bring in from the academy and we're more sustainable as a football team so that we don't need to keep going out and spending 20, 30 million on players. Um, I think for the first team looking forward, we're probably a good five years away from seeing whether the project is going to be fruitful, if you like. Um, I think obviously the start of the project would have been when they took over, get Villa promoted and we arguably got promoted quicker than they expected. Then it would have been a case of staying in the league. And then obviously it's a case of move from then. So I suppose we're, we're, we're in the position now where it's improving on last season. So we stayed up last season. It's improving and pushing up the table. And I think once, so whether that's going to be at the end of this season or potentially next season, if we can possibly establish ourselves maybe in the top 10, then we can look up and hope that we be in places and stuff like that. So I'd imagine that's what the project is. It seems to be more, more like data-driven, um, looking at a statistical approach to, to transfers and the style of play um, and being more sustainable. And we're, yeah, we're probably one or two years into, the, into it, I think, probably five years away from, from being a, Getting, getting, I suppose, footballing success, you know, maybe, maybe doing well in a cup um, or potentially getting into Europe. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know all that. Obviously, most fans of other clubs wouldn't know all that backroom staff stuff going on, but you've, you're stealing Leicester's scout is pretty significant. And you've listed a couple names there. Um, yep. That's, that's got to be exciting. But you mentioned the academy. So I guess looking forward as we wind down, give us a couple to look out for from the academy that you guys are excited about? Um, I suppose the main one is Jacob Ramsey. So there's him and his brother, Aaron. They've come through the academy and Jacob Ramsey made his Premier League debut against Fulham. Um, he Jacob Ramsey came off the bench and I think made his first team debut um, two years ago in the Championship, uh, February 2019 against West Brom. And um, he went out on loan last season to, to Doncaster, um, scored three goals in nine appearances. And he's played for us in our cup game so far this year. And he looks very, very good. He's a central midfielder, um, good on the ball, um, neat, neat with the ball, kind of one of them that's a couple of seconds ahead of other players. So ball comes in. Before you've got close to him, he's already taken a touch and laid it off. Um, so a player that probably in the next few years could link up nicely with, with Jack Grealish and fit into the midfield well. Um, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, in all fairness, academy-wise, we've signed a lot of new, new players. Um, we've signed... Um, do you remember Win Winston Bogard, who used to play for Chelsea? <clears throat> I mean, they've had they've had so many youth prospects over the years. It's hard to keep track of. It, to be fair, he was um he, he, he was Winston Bogard was um he was a Dutch international. Okay, and he played for Chelsea. We've signed his nephew. Oh, okay. I think it's Lamar oh, Bogard. Okay, um, and he he came in, scored on his debut for the under 18s last week. Um, but we've also we, we signed a player last season called Louis Barry. Um, he's a striker. And he used to play for West Brom. And Barcelona signed him from West Brom. And then last year we signed um, 
West Bromwich Albion's Youth Academy, um, head of the Youth Academy, or I'm not sure what the title is, but we brought him in. And obviously he's then was heavily involved in bringing Louis Barry in from Barcelona. So I suppose he's one to look out for because he's he's got good pedigree in terms of he was good enough for Barcelona to sign him. Yeah. I know obviously not for the first team, but for their um, you know, for their development squad. So um so yeah, I'll go I'll go with with Barry and Ramsey, um Bogard's there as well. So yeah, there's okay. there's a few names to look out for. So it's Lou Barry? Louis. Oh Louis Barry. So I, I just yeah. It just pops in. Sometimes I chance pop into my head. If he does bang a couple in, Barry, yeah. Barry Lou, Barry, Barry Lou, maybe you think, no, yeah, a bit. <laughs> yeah, we'll try that one. Okay, okay. We're in with a shout. That's good. That's good. So before we leave, two quick, kind of quick fire questions. Uh, and But I'm going to let you plug what you told me about uh, after that. Uh I have a fantasy Premier League squad. Who's the one Villa player I have to have? I kind of think I know who you're going to say, but who's the one Villa player I should have? I mean, obviously, obviously I'm going to say Jack Grealish um, because he is, you know, he's our best player. Um, one thing he certainly did last season, if you could possibly argue the season before, was that was missing from his game was that he was obviously brilliant with the ball. Doing, doing everything that he, that he does now. Um, he very rarely scored and very rarely set up goals. He tends to be the person that, I suppose he did against Fulham, he creates the move. He's, he's the player before the assist. Last season, he got eight goals, six assists. So, you know, goals and assists of 14, which is pretty good. Um, so, in terms of fantasy football, you're likely that he's going to get, you know, if we score or assist, he's likely he's going to be involved. Um Trying to think of else. I mean, so far we've got obviously two clean sheets from two games. Um, Esri Konza scored against Sheffield United. Tyro Mings scored against Fulham. So those two central defenders will have scored well, scoring and keeping clean sheets. Um, I'd, I'd say Con- Connor Halrahan as well. He's possibly one to have because his set pieces are very, very good and he's always likely to pop up with a goal or assist. Um, but I think, yeah, you just you just have to go with Jack Grealish because you can kind of guarantee that he's pretty much likely to to put in an eight or nine or ten ten performance a week, um, and he's going to play play every game as the captain. So, so yeah, a few names for you to pick from if you don't want to go for the obvious. All right. So, last question, and then I'll let you let you talk about the project you got going. Uh, I have a tenner. I'm going to go bet where Villa finishes. Uh, if I win, I'll send you uh, a little gift. If I lose, I'll send you an invoice. So what position am I betting? <laughs> um, okay, I'm going to go. As you were talking, this this position came into my head. And I feel like this this is fate. So I'm going for 12th. Okay. Okay. That's That, that would definitely be progression. I, I feel like getting 12th. Um, yeah. All right. And so you told me about this project with the whole idea of Villa Together is let our fans know what you got going on over on your side. Okay. So, so as Villa Together, we do <clears throat> weekly podcasts. We have um, podcasts that we call the Full 90, which is mainly a, a post-match review, post-match analysis. And we also have a podcast, which is Terry's Talk. So Terry's Talk is when you're talking about transfers, rumours, any other news, stuff like that. 
the idea of the podcasts initially was getting fans involved um, from you know the UK anywhere really, but mainly just getting fans involved, bringing Villa together to talk about Villa post game, pre game, etc. And because we've got so many, they're called Lions clubs. We've got so many Lions clubs all around the world. I have an ongoing project where I've been speaking to um, Villa fans around the world. And just to kind of, I mean, it's amazing to find out the stories from these people who you get some of them who live. um, So I spoke to someone who lives in the Cayman Islands, um, but he's from Birmingham. So I suppose his story about supporting Aston Villa is, I don't want to say generic, but it's fairly ordinary. Whereas there are there are people I've spoken to in Iraq and Ghana who are natives of those countries who have stories of how they support came to support Aston Villa. It's, very, it's really interesting to speak to these guys. Um, I spoke to somebody from um, the Ireland Islands, which is just off the coast of Finland. And he was telling me about when he was at school, um, the, the teach, they were playing football. The teacher gave out some football kits for them to wear during while they're playing football. And he got given Aston Villa one. And from that moment, he supported Aston Villa. So it's, it's interesting to speak to these guys. But also what I want to do is, is, as it says, bring Villa together around the world. So <clears throat> I've spoken to probably just shy of 10 people so far from around the world. Um, I'm hoping in the next couple of weeks, it will be around 30. And I will kind of do like a merge. So post a, a YouTube video, literally showing, you know, I've spoken to people from these places in the world. So a map, um, a little kind of video showing everyone's face, everyone saying hello. Um, I've kind of done standard questions with a lot of these people why they support Aston Villa, how long they've supported Aston Villa, how they watch the games and stuff like that. Just to show to everybody, um, I kind of, you know, in particular people in the UK, um, you know, how amazing our fan base is and that we're the lucky ones. You know, we if we want to go, you know, and it, I suppose this applies to you, you know, where, where you live in, in, you know, being a Liverpool fan, we're the lucky ones because we can go to, I can go to Villa Park and be there and back within an hour, just over an hour. Whereas these guys who are in Ghana, Iraq, I suppose someone in Memphis, you know, they they can only, you know, dream to be able to get to Villa Park with it being logistically easy. Amazing our fan base is. Um, also a bit of networking, you know, not just for me, but for everybody. So these guys know... If you want to come to Villa Park, then, you know, you've got a friend in every Aston Villa fan that is there. Because um, I've spoke to some people and they don't they don't have friends <clears throat> um, where they live in terms of football friends, you know, Aston Villa fans. So they'll come to the UK to watch Aston Villa and they don't have anyone to maybe meet up with. So it's that networking as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's an ongoing project. Um, hopefully... Within a couple of weeks, um, a month tops, we'll have spoken to about 30 different countries, so to speak. Um, and just just of kind of a bit of networking for me, bring these people together and hopefully then with with the, the podcast as well, that they can get involved a bit more. Um, I think some of them struggle to get involved with Aston Villa. Um, so hopefully it brings them all together. But like I said, 
as the name shows, it, it's just bringing Villa together. Um, and, and yeah, that's the ongoing project. Yeah, I mean, that. You, honestly, I've, I've only been talking to you for about 45 minutes to an hour here, but you sound like a football romantic, a man after my own heart. And so I feel like we're <laughs> great friends now. Uh, I'll have yeah, to yeah. I'll have to get back over there and get up to Villa Park uh, and come say hello sometime because it's a massive club. And, yeah. you know, like uh, I tell people all the time, if, if I had to if I got to choose if I was the grand supreme ruler of the Premier League and I got to choose every year, 15 teams that would definitely be in the Premier League. Bournemouth can fuck off. Brighton, go the fuck out of here. Villa is definitely one of them. Massive club. Yeah. So thank you again for joining us. Uh, it's Chris yeah. Frellas, Villa Together, YouTube, Twitter, correct? Anywhere else? Yeah. Um, Instagram. Um, yeah, but that is the main one. YouTube and Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. The only issue I had is he said they were going to draw Villa or Fulham 1-1 and they ended up beating 3-0. You got to back the boys. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll make sure I do next time. Just, I mean, just because of you. maybe don't listen to me because you might know the energy fields and everything going on over there and I could be to your detriment. So I don't listen to me. I'm an outsider. Yeah, yeah that, that's fine. <laughs> I do it because, you know, just to, to make sure that I'm happy. You know, I don't, don't get ahead of myself. Uh, so go check them out uh this has been another rambling rivals uh until next time thank you for tuning in to tampa bay cop talk